Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Danny Klinkscale Reasonably Irreverent Podcast. Insightful and witty commentary, probing interviews, and detours from the beaten path. Welcome to Kansas City Profiles, presented by Easton Roofing, and a tasty and enjoyable conversation with Kansas City restaurateur Larry Kime. He was born in Chicago, and he was the son of two famous jazz musicians. His mom was a singer, did many jingles, including airline ads and things that you heard in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, actually more in the 60s and 70s. Her father, Warren Kime, was a Standout trumpeter and horn player in a variety of projects, including Brass Impact, and he was famous and played with the likes of Doc Severinsen and Miles Davis and many, many others. But music wasn't going to be the path that Larry took. He started working in a restaurant in high school and ended up making that his career path, bypassing school and just headed out to California and Texas and Minnesota and all around America, learning his craft as eventually an executive chef and eventually a general manager and eventually an owner of a restaurant, including his new project, three years old now, just passing their third anniversary, Cliff's Tap House at 31st and Gillum. It's a great American restaurant with some tasty treats. I had a wonderful lunch after we had our conversation. And this is a tremendous exploration of the restaurant business at all levels. Opening restaurants, working in the back room, being a general manager, being an owner, being an executive chef, all those kind of things in restaurants from Houlihan's to Houston's to Bonefish Grill. And now, as I mentioned, to Cliff's Tap House. A great spot for him. He's very enthusiastic and enjoyable about his comfortable American home that he says that people consider like their living room for dinner or lunch. It's a fantastic story filled with music and food and twists and turns and ups and downs in business. It really is an amazing, amazing conversation, and it comes your way next. It's Larry Kime, our Kansas City Profile, presented by Easton Roofing. More of Danny's Reasonably Irreverent podcast after this. Hey Kansas City, Joe Spiker, Easton Roofing here. Are you a commercial building owner or a property manager? Are you tired of dealing with old school institutional roofers that care more about their schedule than customer service? When you call Easton Roofing to look at your commercial property, you will get an inspection quick and receive a full roof report in your inbox within days. This report spells out in terms you'll easily understand what the issues are with your roof along with multiple possible solutions. We are certified with Elevate, Firestone, Carlisle, Geico, GAF, and many more commercial manufacturers. Concerned about warranty? How about a 25-year no-dollar limit warranty on your roof? Backed by the manufacturer that comes with a manufacturer's certified final inspection. When we take on a project, we work with you to make sure the project goes smooth. With parking plans, tenant relations, safety concerns, and noise and odor reduction. Don't be intimidated by your roof issues. Let Easton Roofing make it easy for you. Easton Roofing. Integrity matters. 
Always great to catch up with Dr. Brad Whittle of Advanced Sports and Family Chiropractic and Acupuncture. Everybody wants to make every year a great one mentally and physically, and certainly ASFCA can help in that regard. Chiropractic, acupuncture, physiotherapies, we're going to address the body and the mind to keep you in great shape. With winter moving into spring, we don't want to have the opportunity to get hurt or to be slow and not do what we used to do, right? Absolutely right. And you can do that in a variety of ways. We can. We love looking at the body and how it moves, looking at the posture and how it holds us to be strong, to be safe, and really to help us do those things we love to do. The wide variety and range of services you can get helps in that regard at Advanced Sports and Family Chiropractic and Acupuncture, seven locations all around the Kansas City area. Find the one that's most convenient for you. And for more information, visit asfca.com slash Danny. That's asfca.com slash Danny. If you'd like to join these and other great sponsors and market your business to a growing and engaged audience, contact us at Danny at DannyClinkScale.com. Look forward to hearing from you. Larry, we're sitting here in Cliff's Tap House on Gillum, and it is the latest of your ventures, but the long and winding restaurant road and other road to this particular spot is certainly an interesting one. You're from Chicago, grew up there. Tell me about before the restaurant world was part of your life, what the young life of Larry Kime was like. Yeah, I don't think it was too much different than any of the kids growing up in Chicago. I uh, I, I loved uh, playing baseball, hockey, um, uh, just running around, really. Um, as a kid, my parents were uh, both musicians, so right. I was uh, definitely influenced by that and uh, had... A lot of people coming in and out of our 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 home or our lives uh, through that and through the music business. Your dad, Warren, is a very accomplished uh, horns player of many different types, and eventually a very successful recording artist. But when you were growing up, when you were seven, eight, nine years old, was he on the road a lot? Were your parents uh, entertaining in that area? I know he did a lot of work on the radio and stuff like that, but uh, what was that like? He, um, both parents uh, chose not to go on the road a lot. Um, He did most of his uh, playing in the Chicago area at different nightclubs. Um, he did have a large, big band uh, that he had called Brass Impact that yes. he would go to New York periodically to record um, and do records and things like that. But in general, he was typically around, around the Chicago area all the time. It was you and your sister, and one sibling, and what was it like, you know, to, was the influence of music strong in you? You said you like sports, but, uh, I mean, I can't imagine that you didn't even at least try to, uh, or at least get, yes. get a taste or be not prodded, but uh, perhaps encouraged to try that out. I always, uh, I played trumpet and French horn all the way through high school. I did realize as I got late uh, into my high school uh era that I was never going to be, uh, nor did I want to put in the time to be great at it, especially watching my father and the, the time and effort that he put into it. And I realized at that point that there were other things I wanted to do. And uh, I was just going to, I, I kind of put things away as I graduated high school and then just went on to do some different things. Now, some people would think, you know, jazz musician, uh, both parents as musicians, that it, it might be a little bit crazy. Was it more normal than that, or were they, uh, you know, were they they're artistic people? I'm sure. I'm married to one, so I know. Uh, what was that? What was that like? 
Um, it was at times a little nutty. Um, you know, we had a lot of people coming in and out of the house. Um, uh, and that was actually, as I got older and realized who these individuals were, um, that was a lot of fun. Um, but it was also, you know, they worked a lot. And so they, uh, they did, uh, typically club gigs seven nights a week. At different areas, uh, they played the Drake for quite a number of years in downtown Chicago, and so uh, there was um, not necessarily crazy, but a lot of a lot of times where we were sort of doing our own things as kids, right, and right. just making sure you stayed out of trouble and didn't do too many uh, <laughs> too many bad things. So, yeah, a lot of babysitters, I would imagine. Um, uh, in the early days, yes, <laughs> yes. But as we got older, those those kind of went away, you know, as you rejected them. What was the difference in your age with your sister? Uh, my sister is two years younger than I am. Okay. So, so you were in charge, kind of. Uh, yeah, and, um, you know, parents were divorced at one point, and so right. we were bouncing between houses, and, you know, it was, as with any situation like that, you know, right. odd at times. How so, old were you when that happened? Um, probably a sophomore in high school. Oh, so, you, so most of your childhood was with a two-parent yeah. Oh, yeah. situation. Absolutely. Okay. Now, at about that time was when you started to work in the restaurant industry. What was it? Was it just... At the time, I'm a teenager. I want some money. I'm, I want to find a job. Or was there yeah. some other kind of inspiration for that? No, really, it was. Um, I think I started uh, when I was 16 uh, cooking at uh, a restaurant called Victoria Station in, in Chicago and um, uh, in the suburbs. And it was, I think, one of, if I remember right, one of my friends were working there, and you know, I just wanted to bring in some money and just have some cash because at that point I was driving, I had my own car and, you know, so you needed gas money. And so then I just started cooking and wasn't necessarily anything I ever thought I was going to do, um, term, but, um, it was an end to the means at the time. And so that was, that's what I got into. Was, uh, was your family like interested into food or was not at all? Um, Actually, quite the opposite. So, um, and there were times where I think my mom used to ask me because I had burns and cuts on my hands, right? And you know, they would be like, "Why are you doing this exactly?" And um, but you know, I kept going, kept doing it, and going through it. And um, I'm not saying I was very good at it um, at that point in my life, but at least it, it brought in some extra cash for me, and it was good. So. So you finish up high school, and at that time you would end up going to Los Angeles. We'll cover that. But was there any thought for you to go to college? Did you think about doing anything else? I, um, you know, whether that's good or bad, no. College was never going to be in my framework. I uh, never thought about going to school. I was lucky to get out of high school. Um, <laughs> well, you're a smart guy, so were you just as somebody wasn't interested in, in, yeah, in, in it just, just doesn't, an indifference to, didn't appeal to you? Exactly. School and I never really mixed. And so um, luckily I was able to, you know, end up in some good spots and, you know, had a lot of drive to be successful. And so I was able to pursue things that way. But uh, yeah, me in school, not good. <laughs> But the first thing you did was go to Los Angeles. I did. And what was the genesis of that? So um, growing up, my, my dad had recording studios in every home that we had. And I used to always watch him uh, as he recorded and things that he did behind the mixing board. And I was always very interested in it. Didn't really understand it, but, 
but it looked really cool. And so initially there was a school out in L.A. that um, I was going to go to to try to learn how to be a recording engineer. Right. Um, got out there. I think I went to one or two classes and realized, again, this was not <laughs> going to work out. And so I was now out there and ha- needed to make money, had to pay rent. And I had a buddy that was out there that I went out with and I found a restaurant that they needed a cook. And so that, you know, for good or bad, started the whole journey. So, <laughs> right. It was Houlihan's uh, operation was. there, and uh, you would quickly do more than just cook. Uh, and as a young man, you really sort of fast tracked to doing different things like opening restaurants. Why do you think? What was the? What was the knack? What was the drive? What was the? What, what did people see in you? Do you think that uh, allowed you to move from just being a line cook or whatever, not just being a line yeah. cook, but being a line cook to to more. Uh, more challenging endeavors. Well, you know, and Danny, you you know this time. I mean, you know, back in the 70s, you know, this was 77 probably. And so, you know, things were a little looser. Things were, you know, a lot. They were just different. And so for me, I was able to go in and I was a hard worker. And so that was never an issue. And I think just the fact that you know, I went in and was curious about things, wanted to learn things. Um, I was, you know, 18 years old. And so it was, it was really a lot of just my perseverance of wanting to be a part of something, attaching myself to something, feeling accomplished about what I was doing. And they needed, this was at the time, Houlihan's was a you know, they were a big time company and and they were growing fast and they were looking for people always. So if you showed any type of desire, any type of willingness to want to grow with them, right. You know, they would allow you to, to grow and, and to really to persevere through things. So, yeah, you started restaurants in five big cities pretty quickly, right? Yes. You're talking about LA, Chicago, Houston, San Antonio, Dallas. Yes. And what, what is the process like of that? Just describe a startup, a, a restaurant a little bit, and as somebody who's like 20 or 21 years old. Yeah, well, and, and working for a large corporation, right, they, they, they set you up pretty well. Um, for me as a trainer and as an opening, uh, most of the time as an opening uh, chef, um, you know, they supply you with really all the resources that you would need. Um, So you're going in as um, a support person to get things started. And it is, it's, it's an arduous task um, from making sure that uh, the design is correct, making sure and and whatever feedback you have for that, making sure that um, food is brought in correctly, making sure that you have enough small wares and enough, um, pots and pans and just, right. you know, everything and, and really setting the thing up and making sure that you are going to set it up in a way that it's going to be successful. And so they have, you know, they have that template, right? but you're a, you are a definite uh, part of that process. But part of it also is, is managing people and interpersonal communication and knowing when it's time to say, you know, you're just uh, not doing this right or yes. you're doing a great job. Uh, 
How, did Was that just something you had a knack for? Would you say that you were uh, tough on people? Or what What? what, no, what was your style? Kind no, of? I think, I mean, I got along with people, right. um, which always I helps. Know that. And so <laughs> um, that was always good. And um, we did, um, you know, a lot of training through uh, different groups, um, you know, they would bring people in and you'd sit through classes and just try to, you know, learn more about it. Um, but for me, initially, it was just being able to uh, to just get along with people and be a leader amongst individuals mm-hmm. and just take them. And I was, again, I, was a, I, I, I had no problems working hard. Um, I had no problems uh, taking on tasks. And so when you are you know, in that situation, people will follow. And so that was a lot of initially, um, in my twenties anyway, a lot of what I did was just being the, you know, the person that was working harder maybe than anybody else. I see. So after about five years with Houlihan's, you're going to move on and go to Houston's, the company. And you describe it uh, in your very extensive bio as uh, that, the Hulahans was more of a low-key or, you know, casual type of setting. And then maybe you're going to something far more structured and by the book. Very much or, so. Uh, by the numbers type of organization with Houston's. Was that a big adjustment? It was, um, it was a huge adjustment. I mean, it was uh, more than I really understood uh, going into it. Um, but... It was the greatest thing that happened to me. Um, certainly, a quantum leap for me in 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 the restaurant industry. I I was forced to really pay attention to details, um, to um, uh, structure my time, structure how I I worked, um, even you know even product that was brought in. Everything that they did, and they were they were an amazing company. Um, you didn't you didn't mess around you didn't cut corners you didn't do anything like that and at the time you know i needed that i needed some i needed some structure where somebody was going to tell me hey listen man you're not you're not messing around anymore this is this is how we're going to do it was there some resistance to that at first i mean did you find a little difficult at first and oh, thinking yeah. well that why shut up oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> they you know i had one very specific conversation okay. in the office where it was like you know, this is how we do it. If you don't like it, you can leave. And that, and that's all it took. <laughs> now, towards the end of this uh, five-year journey, you're doing this. You're, you're obviously successful. You're learning the, you know, P's and Q's of it necessarily. You, uh, you would get married toward the end of this time. Yes, and yes. And so uh, tell me the story of how you met and how that um, happened. My prep cook, this was um, one of her roommates, and I uh, just got to know her. Uh, her name was Kim, and uh, we uh, started dating, and I think I was probably 27 at the time, and um, it was just uh, timing was good, timing was right. And um, she was from Michigan, Kalamazoo. And so we ended up actually getting married in Kalamazoo um, um, or the Midland area. And, and so um, that was so great. Did dad and, play Kalamazoo at the wedding? Or? Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> he did. He did not. He did not. He um, that that was a pretty low key wedding, right, but um, but it was a lot of uh, it, it was good. It was good for me at the time. Uh, really continued me in a direction that was positive and needed to go. You know, the restaurant business it it can be a little daunting at times. Oh, sure. And so um, anytime you can put yourself in a situation where uh, you're you're walking some sort of narrow path that helps a lot, right? And then you would go to the Hard Rock Cafe Company, which yes. is certainly another step and a different type of thing, and a lot of fun. And you're intermingling with famous people and yes. working with Joe Walsh every week because he had a radio show there. Yes, uh, that sounds like a blast, but maybe not a blast for a married guy. Not that was too. <laughs> that was hard. That was hard. It was um, it was fun. I did um, some international work with them. That was great. Um, it, I got introduced to a lot of people. Um, I, I it was, but it was high, very high volume work, um, and you know it was. And this were, was in Dallas. Just this now. was in Dallas, yeah. And it was, it was something where I'm glad I did it. Right. Um, it lasted two years, and and honestly, by the end of that, I I I needed to find something that it's a little was, more low key. Yes, yes. Do you have any uh, crazy story or two? Or uh, I know you catered events for people. And yeah, some of the, bands it, the problem that are involved is you know, ACDC who actually are from what I've heard pretty down to earth guys for as crazy as. Yeah, we had is. a um, we had a private club inside um, inside the Hard Rock that. You know, private elevator, the whole deal, and and we would have to cater that as well as doing everything else. And so I'm I I, I was and am a huge Yes fan, right? And um, I'm up there getting food ready, and in walks the whole band, right? Right. So it's John Anderson, Chris Squire. I mean, the whole group. And so I I I always wanted to meet them, always wanted to talk to them. And I couldn't, I couldn't even get out. Hello, it was, it was so embarrassing. But it was, but uh, but it was really neat to have a chance to meet them. Were um, they nice? Were they that live up? Very to, cool, very yeah. cool people. You right. know, um, I uh, that was that was really fun. Um, we did uh, one of the hard parts of working there was that the owner Isaac Tigret. Isaac had a penthouse um, in in Dallas, and he would obviously entertain, but he would never entertain at seven o'clock at night. It was always <laughs> as bands finished their shows. Right. So you know he would he would call me and he'd be like, "Hey, listen, Fleetwood Mac is coming in. Um, I need you to cater this event, but it'd be midnight, right? right?" And so trying to explain at the time to my wife. Listen, I'm just I just got to go down and get the food together, and you know um, that got that got old really quick. Right. So you know, I'm sure that you know there's some thought that well, he's just going out to have fun. I mean, oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not saying that I didn't help that at times, right? right? right. So yes. you know, right. nobody's nobody's perfect. So a couple of years, you realize that that's probably not a long term thing if you were going to have a successful marriage and. So you decided to to move on again, and this time to Restaurants Unlimited, a San Francisco group. Yes, and this is now eighty late eighties. Yes, and they they found me and through a recruiter, and you know I started talking with them, and um, it was a 
It was a company that had a lot of things that I wanted. Um, they were very entrepreneurial in how they did things, gave you a lot of autonomy, had multiple concepts, and I, I, I wanted that next challenge. It was really, it was kind of a uh, hybrid of what I had learned and seen at um, Houston's. And so, uh, very enticing. I took it. Uh, sold my house in Dallas, moved to San Francisco, thinking that I'd be able to buy a house in San Francisco. Of course, um, no to that, <laughs> right. um, unless I wanted to live two hours outside the city. Right. And so that was good. It was good to get into the company, but definitely San Francisco was not going to be a landing spot that I was going to be in long term. Um, couldn't afford it. And um, again, just... As a married couple, you know, we wanted more things than just living in a two-bedroom apartment. Right. And so, and we couldn't, even back then, we couldn't, we couldn't do that. We couldn't make it happen. Right. So, always looking for an opportunity. And luckily, luckily in that company, there was right. opportunity, uh, you know, that would come up. So you went to Minneapolis, and just take us through the years. There's seven years at Restaurant Unlimited. What was the, yeah, the path there? That was that was really cool. I I was an executive chef for them. Um, I went to Minneapolis. Um, I was working at a, a steakhouse that they had called Kincaid's. That was a, a very high end steakhouse. Really met some great people. Uh, one of my best friends was my sous chef, um, and that was a great relationship, uh, Tom Miller. And um, we, uh, we just, that, that whole thing, uh, again, learning uh, a higher-end uh, menu, different food, leading people, being much more. And this company was very, um, I don't want to say regimented because that's not a fair word, but right. but they were very organized. And so, you know, when you get into companies like that, you do one of two things. You either become that right. or you ultimately fail. Right. And so um, I really uh, adopted that into how I did business and how I led people and how I organized them and how I, I taught them and trained them. Right. From Kincaid's, they opened up a restaurant called Palomino, which was in downtown Minneapolis. Um, and this was right when Minneapolis was completely changing around. So uh, Target uh, Center was just being built. Um, they were redoing a couple theaters, and, and downtown was hopping. I mean, it was going. And Palomino was an incredible they, – they called it a Euro Bistro – um, as a, an executive chef, I had a 70-foot exhibition kitchen, wood-burning oven, wood-burning right. stove, you know, rotisserie grill. I mean, it was it was a, a gas. I mean, had so much fun there. So, what? Uh, so, so as you're evolving here, I mean, you obviously start as a cook, and then you're you know sort of in structured environments. But now you're an executive chef. Chef, did you start to develop your own ideas of what you? like to do food wise at this but what, what was the process of doing that yeah because you said you came from a background of a family that it sounds like you know yeah meat and potato whatever yeah yeah i um you know that was palomino was probably the first time that i really worked in a restaurant that i had autonomy to do anything i wanted with the menu or at least with specials and things like that um 
I didn't go to school. I didn't go to culinary school. Right. So a lot of things were just adapted and, and self-taught as I went on. Um, so that really, when it came down to it, that was probably my uh, the extent of really where I learned a lot of food basics, a lot of culinary skills food-wise. And I began to adapt kind of the uh, Mediterranean, Northern Italian, um, that type of cooking. Really enjoyed that a lot. Um, and so that was, I, I would say, if there was anything that I did, but, you know, I don't, I don't do a lot of cooking now other than, right. <laughs> you know, I, I, have, I have very good chefs that do that for me. Right. So, um, but of course, I always have input, right? Of course you so, do. Yes. Yeah. But so then right at this point when you maybe you're developing your own food ethos, as it were. Yes. You decide to come to Kansas City yes. and work at KC Masterpiece, and it sounds like the wrong, maybe the wrong time or the wrong, you yeah. know, because we're talking barbecue here. Yeah, I, you know, I didn't, I wasn't a barbecue aficionado. They, again, they sought me out. The timing was um, right for me to leave Restaurants Unlimited. Maybe not the best move that I've ever done in my life, um, but coming down to Kansas City, it ended up... Um, it ended up as I, I'm going to say, you know, it's all positive, right? Yeah, right. you get you get different experiences, and so so that was something that I met some good people. I, I so learned. Was this really your first ex- exposure to Kansas City? Period. I, I didn't even know where it was. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, I did the, the thing but, where Kansas, Missouri. Where yeah, is it? Right. Yeah. So, um, and you know, this was I think early '90s when right. I moved here. Right. So. Moved into uh, Johnson County. I had, at the time, I had one daughter. And, you know, we wanted to get into an area that we felt like, you know, good schools, that type of thing. And, you know, back then, 119th, I think, was as far as it went. Right, right. You know, so, so but it was, um, I, I, I liked Kansas City. I liked what was here. I liked uh, the culture. I liked the Midwest. Um, being on both coasts. You know, and north and south. I, you know, I'm 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 from Chicago, so you know the Midwest. Really, I feel comfortable there. But from a food and operation and standpoint, it, it really wasn't a great experience no, for you for a couple of years. No, I got put into a lot of situations that I wasn't prepared for. Um, uh, I wasn't trained for. Um, as an as an executive chef, I I came into the company Casey Masterpiece as a food and beverage person. What they wanted me to do was run their operations as an operations manager. And although I was uh, good at delegating and good at at leading people, you know, I had never skill set wise, I had never even counted a bar drawer before. I'd never, you know, I just didn't have any of that written a, you know, a server schedule, anything like that. So I wasn't, I just wasn't prepared and it ended up being just a bad fit all the way around. More of Danny's Reasonably Irreverent podcast after this. Hey, Kansas City, Joe Spiker, Easton Roofing here. Did you know that roofing debris is the number two contributor to landfills in America? At Easton Roofing, we recycle our roofing debris whenever possible, and we use sustainable products from responsible companies. I was raised with the phrase, waste not, want not, and the best way to reduce waste is to not tear off a roof that can be repaired. Call Easton Roofing when you have a concern about your roof. If all it needs is a repair, we'll give you a proposal for a repair on the spot. Conserve resources and your money with Easton Roofing. Integrity matters. 
Hey, this is Matt Llewellyn from 23rd Street Brewery in Lawrence. When the games are on, remember, 23rd Street Brewery is the place to catch them all. You can always count on our huge portions and our handcrafted beers, but what you might not know are our fabulous cocktails. Our bartenders take a lot of pride in creating adult beverages that you will love. You'll be surprised how incredible they are. And of course, big screen TVs everywhere you look, so you won't miss a play. So join us at 23rd Street Brewery in Lawrence, 23rd and Castle. If you'd like to join these and other great sponsors and market your business to a growing and engaged audience, contact us at danny at dannyclinkscale.com. Look forward to hearing from you. Our guest is Larry Kime. He is uh, now the owner and operator of uh, Cliff's Tap House, where we sit. And I am looking forward to lunch here yes. uh, afterwards. Uh, this is a, a morning session. Uh, so that ends, and that maybe bumping the road, as it were, professionally. So what was the next step? Um, I ended up going, and this is all very silly, you know, the next couple years, I ended up going back up to Minneapolis um, and uh, ended up working for a group called Leanne Chin. That didn't work out for various reasons and ended up coming back down to Kansas City. So it was back and forth for a couple years. And I... um, the one thing coming back to Kansas City a second time was um, it was decided, hey, we're not moving anymore. We've we've moved enough. This is going to be home from here on. And so that was uh, good to settle in. Um, and I was working at the Hereford House uh, down at 20th and Main. And that was, you know, back then. Um, so this is 95, maybe. 97. Yeah, yeah, that that restaurant uh, it was big and right. it was busy and a lot going on. Iconic and iconic and structured. Yes, and so it was. Um, you know that gave me a chance to really finally learn how to because I went in as a general manager, learn right. how to actually do that job, and so that was really nice. Um, met a lot of good people um, and was then. Uh, because of my association with that restaurant, um, I was able to uh, be involved with Pierpont's and Union Station. And that was really cool to be able to, one, be a part of that concept. Right. But also, we went in as they were, as they were redoing Union Station. Right. And so to watch that whole process happen was amazing. And uh, it, it was successful, and it, it, it you know... Maybe at Hereford House, it was difficult to get things done that you might have wanted to do, but moving to Pierpont's, you did, right? Yeah, yeah. That was, you know, both food and beverage. Um, I had a lot of input, and that was, that was big. And, um, and, and it was, uh, and still is, an iconic restaurant. Right. And so Absolutely. Um, that was great. So it, it seems like your chapters sort of go in the... Sometimes two, but maybe in the five-year block, kind of five to seven or something like that. So that's what it was for Hereford House. What was the decision to move on to Bonefish Grill? Um, I um, truthfully, I just you, you know, you sometimes you run into brick walls, right? And you know, it just the owner and I had gotten to a point where it was time for me to search out something else. And right. so... Is that uh, sort of nature of a restaurant business? A lot of it's times. Diffi- it's a difficult business. I mean, there's no A doubt. lot of times. It's, you know, you are, you're, either, you're either looking for opportunity, right, to grow, 
um, which is what caused a lot of um, my moving in the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, but um, then as you start working for, you know, you get out of the corporate level and you start working for individual owners, um, you know, personalities and things, you know, things just get in the way sometimes. And right. everybody, everybody's moving in different directions, um, not always moving in the same. And, and so that stuff happens. And right. so Bonefish was a, a great move for me because it was a partnership. And um, with them, uh, you're financially obligated to them. Uh, and and that was that was really good because it gave me a chance to take a lot of the um, entrepreneurial things that I had done and and really begin to learn what it was like to be an owner. Now, obviously, Bonefish is owned by Outback Steakhouse. Right. You've got you know you've got the huge mothership. You've got more support than you would ever want. Um, so you it wasn't it wasn't an individual ownership, right? But you had skin in the game, and right. so you took you know you took things seriously, and uh, we built that restaurant up over the almost ten years I was with them, and um, had a tremendous tremendous restaurant in in Leewood. Yep, absolutely. But again, in major companies, uh, things happen, and uh, you know, they, they, that this chapter would again end. Yeah, and, and and you know that was unfortunate because I really liked working for them, um, but they shifted and they changed a lot of the financial structure, a lot of the compensation structure, and what initially was a wealth generator. Right, uh, no longer was that, and so it was. It was time to so try. In other words, different. they just said, "Hey, we'd love to have you keep working for us, but you're not going to make as much money." Yes, <laughs> pretty much cut and dry. Exactly. Right. right exactly. Man. And, and so, yeah. yeah, and I ended. I I ended up leaving there, and and I I went to work for Sullivan's and Sullivan Steakhouse. Yep. High-end steakhouse, um, again, uh, you know that was one of those moves where you think you ask all the right questions during the interview and. Um, just, you know, I never, I just, I never matched up with them. I, I, they're a, they're a different group of people. Um, I, I like the restaurant. I think, I think it was, you know, great to be involved in a very high end, mm -hmm. uh, steakhouse. Um, I'd been at high end steakhouses before. Right. Um, but this, we just did not, right. We just did not align, you know, right. it just didn't work. So that was unfortunate. So then you were going to move into the Nick and Jake's period of your career, but you needed to do something in the short term. Right? Yes. Yeah. I, I ended up going with Cooper's Hawk and, and I, I like, I, I really like that concept actually. I think, I think it's really cool. I think it's what they do is neat. Um, I love their wine program. I love actually their, their menu, their food, everything that they did. I really, really liked, but I was in a situation in Kansas city. I wasn't going to go anywhere and, um, there was not an opportunity for me to move up. Um, the Nick and Jake's group, um, I had known uh, Kevin Timmons and Doug right. Watkins for a number of years. And so we, were, we had tried multiple times to put something together where we could work together, and it just never worked out. Finally, a space opened up at the South Plaza. Right. They called me and asked me if I wanted to be a part of it, and of course, you know, jumped on it immediately. So Right. In fact, that space is where I had the launch party for this particular business, yes, as a did. matter of fact, yes, about five years ago. And 
pretty much it seems like from the outside that uh, that location for Nick and Jake's was ended up being maybe a victim of the pandemic or was it was it was Um, as as the city shut down uh, so did the restaurant and uh, very unfortunate you know I had a great great staff um, great restaurant and um, you know that was just one of those things where you know at the time obviously everybody was scared nobody knew what to expect Kevin and Doug you know made decisions that they felt they needed to make um, for their company and and so they shut that restaurant down and you know out of you know out of something bad comes something good right, right? Yeah. and you know right so so this is a challenging business obviously and the hours are you know grand yes <laughs> i mean you're here now and you're going to work a lot today yes. you don't cook anymore but uh through the years tell me about the impact to family wise and how your family situation developed and the dynamics of that there have been Ooh. challenges there certainly. yeah good question um you know i have been married twice um i have four kids um i am blessed in the fact that a i get i get along with both of my ex-wives um, and I get along with all four of my kids. And three of them work uh, here at Cliffs with me at periodic times. Um, but it's, it's a strain because you miss holidays. You, miss, you are constantly, constantly reworking your schedule. Um, you miss events. You, um, it's, just, uh, it's just a tough business. Right. And, you know, whether... Whether you, you know, good or bad, you know, this is what I chose. And so, right. um, and, and hey, I've, I've, you know, I've been able to support four kids. I've, you know, we've always had a good life. I've, I, you know, so it's not, I, I would never, ever say anything bad about it other than it's, it's a grind. And, you know, everybody, you know, you miss out on birthdays, you miss out right. on, on Christmas, you miss out on a lot of different things, right? And so um, you're you're constantly juggling things. If you're gonna if you're gonna start a family, and if right. you're gonna if you choose to do that, you know you I tell everybody, you know, be be wide eyed about it and know know what you're in for. So. Tell me a little bit more about uh, just to flash back. I'm hearing some trumpet band music in the background. Yeah, uh, yeah. What was the what, what was the again the musical journey for your dad? And reflect on that a little. Oh bit. yeah, my oh man, my dad, um, amazing, amazing, amazing trumpet player. Um, he uh, you know he 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 loved his big band. Actually, came to Kansas City in the '60s multiple times for the Kansas City Jazz Festival. Right. Um, he up until uh, up until the point that he passed away, he was still producing. Um, he didn't play as much as he got older, um, but he was doing a lot of writing. Um, but we always um, always had music around us, um, and and you know as I talked about earlier, you know I had a chance to meet so many cool people, and um, from Doc Severinsen to Stan Kenton to. Uh, Miles Davis to Seals right. and Cross to I mean I could just go on and on <laughs> right. you know um, and that when when you can ex- get exposed to individuals and things like that um, I think it just adds it just adds to to who you are and and a lot of memories a lot of good memories right. so um, and my mom was um, an amazing amazing singer 
Um, she was a commercial singer, so you would hear her on commercials, uh, United Airlines, Double Mint Gum, right. uh, Bold Detergent. So um, a lot of influences, yeah. a lot of influences. That's really cool. Well, you mentioned out of the ashes of certain things come, you know, uh, better opportunities. And so come out of the pandemic, you have a great opportunity at Nick and Jake's. That goes p- past. What was the decision-making process coming through a very difficult period for everyone and certainly in the restaurant industry to come up with this concept at Cliff's Tap House. Yeah, I'm very excited about Cliff's. Um, and you and I have talked about this a little bit, Danny. You know, sometimes what you don't know is best. Um, right. You know, I had, when, when it closed down, I had one of my prep cooks come up to me and say, you know, we should start our own restaurant and take over this building. We know the building. We know we have a great clientele, you know, we've got business built in. And I actually thought about it. Right. And um, I started putting together a menu, started putting together a business plan and realized that I maybe knew more than I thought I did or (laughs) um, just got a real desire to do it. Um, But I didn't know what it was going to take. and during the, you know, this point now we're in July of 20. Right. And nobody's talking, nobody is answering emails. Um, I ended up putting all the financials together, put the whole package together. And I had nine, nine banks uh, turn me down or just not even, not even have conversation. A couple investment groups uh, thought I was nuts. And, you know, I tried to explain to people, I'm like, look, somebody, it may not be me, but somebody is going to be successful coming out of this. Right. And um, I'm glad. I mean, I'm so glad that I was naive and stupid because I would have never, I would have never done this. Um, but here we are today. And so it's, it's super exciting. You now we're here at 31st in Gillum. How did, the, you know, you were talking about doing something down there. Yeah. How did this particular uh, cool location yeah uh, well and i you know i i didn't know this area that well i uh i i had been looking for spots and looking for spots um i lost um the location on the south plaza because i couldn't get financing right um and so now i was with a concept with no home right and started uh looking around to different spaces and i had a broker she called me one night. She goes, hey, there's a this, there's, there's this spot at 31st and Gillum. There's a rumor that the owner wants out. Um, do you want to go look at it? I said, yeah. And she goes, listen, I'll have the owner meet you there. I was, no, I don't want to talk to the owner. I just <laughs> I want to go down and just look at the place. Right. So I came down here, and right as I walked through the front door, the owner's there. Right. right? And he, we sit down. And all now, I what, did. What was it then? Uh, it was called Ali's Local. Okay. Um, and, you know, this area, Martini Corner, has always been um, bars. You know, right. And it, it, it was the same. Um, fit, fit the area perfect. But the area was starting to evolve. And so I was able to look around. He actually, in, in subsequent meetings, drove me around the area. Um, and I realized that this was going to be a spot that we we could potentially take over. Um, indeed, he did want out, tired of the <laughs> right. restaurant business. Right. And and I told him, I said, well, listen, I'm your guy. I, I want to be in the restaurant business, and I've got a concept, and I just need a space. And it, it, maybe it was fast-forwarded a little bit more than you, than you thought? Yeah, we... Um, 
we had originally set up that we were gonna I, I because I'd been out of work, right? I wanted mm-hmm. to get in and just get going. Right. Um, we were gonna buy all of the furniture, fixtures, everything. I didn't need his his concept. I didn't need anything like that. Right. Um, and so everything was set and ready to go. Um, he ended up getting in a disagreement with the landlord. Uh, you know, and that's not good. Uh, never. Right. Um, landlord evicts them. They take everything, and suddenly I walk into a building that was supposed to be mine, and there was nothing there. <laughs> right. So uh, there was a building. I had I had four walls and right. and and a, a hood system, and so um, time to regroup again. And went back to my bank and said, okay, um, because now we had been approved. We had money. Community America had. Right. had come through for us and we had to re- rework some things. And so, um, which in hindsight, um, you know, thank you, Lord. I mean, it was right. one of those deals where um, maybe they had taken everything, but now it gave me a chance to rework my budget, come in and buy new. And right. so, uh, you know, Danny, when you, and, and you know this, man, when you sow the right seeds over time, they come back tenfold. And mm-hmm. so just all the rela- relationships that I had built over the years, um, people just started coming out of the woodwork wanting to help. And um, so many funny stories of just, you know, just different people. And my landlord helped me out quite a bit with a contractor and a designer and, you know, all these individuals who I said, look, I can't, I can't afford to do this. I can't afford this stuff. They said, well, you know, Elon, who's my uh, my landlord, told me to come and help you, and so I'm here to help you. Like, okay, let's go, let's do it. <laughs> right. So that was it. Was an amazing journey that, that doing this and getting it set up and finally getting it open, uh, incredible. Right. And I know now you have uh, times where you get together once a week with your daughters and yeah. you have a life that. But your life right now is sort of married to this project that you're starting right? it is it is uh, Mondays uh, it, one of the greatest decisions I made and and at the time I thought it was really a silly thing was to close on Mondays and so that is a day off for me but beyond that you know it's it's open to close um, but it's you know it's mine <laughs> and that's really neat right. and so um, Mondays are cool uh, Mondays are date night um, with uh, if I can get all four girls together I do it um, typically it's three, sometimes two, right. um, but that is turned out to be really special. Um, gives me a chance to catch up with everybody. Uh, my oldest daughter is uh, 31. My youngest is 16. So there's a lot of a lot of different things going on. Right. So, um, but that's really cool. Right. That is an absolute uh, cool thing. Now through the years, what what kind of things? You now sounds like when you're owning and working the restaurant business, maybe there's not a lot of time, but what are some of the things you like to do away from the restaurant industry? Um, I, uh, I do attempt to play golf. Um, I don't, I haven't lately played much, right. um, but there was times in my life where I was able to make time and I enjoy it. Um, I, I did realize as time went on that to get out and just be out, be outside, um, is really nice. And so, um, I changed kind of how I approached, uh, the game. Um, (laughs) and instead of being very competitive and frustrated by it, um, I actually really changed everything and, and enjoyed, 
uh, being outside, being with people, you know, a lot of times I would go out and just play by myself and, you know, catch on with a group and, you know, you get to meet different people right. and, you know, that's, that's, that's fun. Right. And so I, I do that really at this point though, honestly, right. it's family. It's any time I can, any time I can spend time with my girls, that's, that's what I do. And we, you know, whether it's just hanging out, whether it's watching movies, whether it's, it's getting out and you know just being outside doing different things that's that's what turns me on at this point well as we've heard it's been an amazing journey but the journey continues so uh, yeah. where do we go from here yeah that's a great question um we are uh, we have our three-year anniversary coming up um which i'm so blessed to be able to say that um right. sometimes you know when the restaurant's full i'll stand at the host stand and look around and think wow we we really did this right. and and that i'm very proud of that very proud of what well, we've created here as before we go on a little bit just yeah. describe what somebody can expect when they come here um it is a um uh, it's a family run business um so it is um you know you have that feel when you walk in uh as my staff says that's the vibe right. um it is um, uh, very welcoming, very engaging, uh, very inclusive. Um, I have a great menu and a great chef. Um, it's an American-style menu, um, sandwiches, burgers, but we also have steaks and fish, um, flatbreads and salads. Um, right. We do some really cool specials. Uh, it gives me a chance to unleash my chef, <laughs> unleash go. my staff, um, and they, they dig that. They really like, right. they like doing that. Right. Um, but it's it's a very it's a very inviting restaurant, and so a lot of uh, my guests will say, um, "Oh, I'm I'm here at my living room." You know, they they describe <laughs> right. it as a you know out, outside of where they live, coming into a place where they can sit and talk with the bartenders. You know, the staff typically knows the majority of people that are here. We right. all we all have our regulars, and uh, very comfortable environment. So what, what do you see the next few years being? You're still a relatively young man. You're a little younger than me, so I can say that. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, what do you think's good to come? Um, you know, I want to open, I want to open up another restaurant. So, um, you know, shameless plug, if anybody has a half million dollars <laughs> that they'd like to invest in Cliff's Tap House, please come on by and say hi to me. Um, I think a second restaurant would be great. Um, but if that never works, you know, this is this is very comfortable and 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 really nice. Um, you know, where things go, I I don't even know. You know, it's it's kind of kind of seeing how this one plays out. What our what our year three looks like. Um, you know, we've been able to um, get past a lot of mistakes from the first year. You know, I. You think you know what you're doing, but you don't, and and so that's been really nice. And the fact that the doors are still open, I was able to screw up a lot of stuff, and and we're still successful, and we're still financially, um, we've got money in the bank, and so 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 it's exciting, you know, it's it's exciting what the future holds. Um, yeah, right. when you when you started cooking and you're 16 years old, yes. Looking back, did you? What did you think the journey would be like, and then how do you think it's gone? No clue. Um, no clue. Never, ever did I think that I would be here, for sure. Um, and even 
in my 30s and 40s and even 50s. I never had a desire to open up my own restaurant. Um, I knew I could run a good restaurant, but never really thought about this doing something like this. Um, now that I'm into it, I'm, I'm so happy that it all happened. Um, it's been a great journey. Um, you know, I would not, I would not change anything. Um, you know, it's probably not for everyone. Um, and I wouldn't recommend it for, for everyone. Um, but for me, it, it, it worked out. We hope you enjoyed the latest Danny Kling scale, reasonably irreverent podcast. Come back soon for something fresh and new. This podcast was made possible by our great sponsors like the 23rd Street Brewery in Lawrence, great food, finely crafted beers, cocktails, and great sports viewing in a friendly and comfortable atmosphere. Join Matt Llewellyn and his great staff at 23rd and Castle in Lawrence. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.